Welcome back, everybody, to UFC Roundup. Michael Chiesa, Paul Felder. We got a lot to talk about. UFC 282 this past weekend, we had some controversy. We had some amazing finishes sprinkled throughout the card. We had a young man make his debut who's only 18 years old, the youngest kid on the card. We had veterans. We had newcomers. It looked like it was going to be an absolute spectacular pay-per-view. But yet again, the curse of just these main events and co-main events hits us again, Mike, where it just can't close the show out. Something weird has to happen. And for example, obviously we got to get right into it. The title fight between these two guys turns out to be a draw. Ankalaev and Bojovic. Bojovic smashing the legs early. Credit to Ankalaev. It didn't look like he was even going to be able to get through the fight. He toughs it out, finds his wrestling, gets the takedowns. What are your thoughts on the draw situation and that? You know, first of all, you know, when we're riding 10 straight finishes, you think that we're headed into that trajectory where this is going to be a blockbuster card. One of those situations where a lot of fans and pundits were not a huge fan of this of this main event, of how things yeah. transpired when Yuri had to pull out. And all of a sudden, the fighters start delivering. We get to the co-main event, the main event, and all of a sudden, we get judging controversy. We get a draw. It all kind of busts at the seams. But, <sighs> you know, just like you said, big credit to Ankalaev, man, to get both of his legs just butchered and find a way back to get himself back in the fight. Essentially, it looked like it was going to be one-way traffic for Jan Blachowicz as he started to get the legs away from him. And we've seen, Paul, like when fighters get their calves kicked and they get their legs taken from him like that, it's just the beginning of the end. But he resorts to his wrestling, puts Jan on his back. I'm not a huge fan of the decision. I mean, in the scorecards, it's hard to like, you, you, you look at the scorecards from the fight and it's kind of hard to dissect because everybody's kind of all over the place. There's a 10-8 round yeah. in the fifth. Yeah, if you look here. Yeah, let's look at them here. Yeah, Saul D'Amato gave it a 10-8. Derek Cleary gave it a 10-8. Mike Bell gives it a 10-9. I didn't think round five was a 10-8 round. I don't, you know, and for Paul, for, for me, Paul, I wanted to ask you, because you've been through these officiating me- uh, meetings, the uh, the symposium or whatever you went to. Like, how does this, any of this make sense to you? Do you think that that fifth round constituted a 10-8 score? I mean, I have to, I have to go and, and look back at it, but in the moment, I didn't think that there was enough significant damage to be done. You know, like control time, landing your shots, and winning the round from a positional standpoint, I, I, I think constitutes a ten nine, right? Not a, not a ten eight. And um, yeah, I mean, here we are again. We're t- these ten eight rounds. Sometimes we're we're begging for them to be shown more. Other times we're saying, where does that come from? The, the problem yet again. With judging in MMA, it's just things seem to be muddled and muddy, right? We all seem to have a different opinion of how it's supposed to be scored. What's the criteria we're looking for? We know that for a 10-8, it is dominance, damage, and duration, I I believe, are the uh, criteria. So, obviously, there was duration there. I believe he had Jan down a significant amount of time in that fifth round. But how dominant was it and how much damage was done? It's got to meet all three. You can't just dominate the position and have duration. You've got to also be applying damage. So that's the real question is how much damage was done uh, in those positions. Yeah, I got to agree with you, Paul. I just I, I, I lean more towards damage. And, and, it, and for me, being a guy that's more of like a grappling based fighter, if, if I'm in that situation, I'm in a fight and I'm going to get a 10 8 run. There's going to be a lot of ground and pound. There's going to be a lot of submission attacks. There's going to yes. be me pursuing opportunities to create finishes where for you know, for Ankalaev, it's not like he was in survival mode, but it's like he's he's taking him down to control the fight. He's trying to get himself back in the fight because he's lost some of his best weapons. I mean, he's a tremendous counter striker. He's got good kicks. So he loses those weapons when he resorts to wrestling. Um, yeah. I think it was great tactics, but it, it was definitely not a 10-8 round in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I didn't think so. And I agree with you. I, I think that's the one that's important to, to look at is, is how much damage is being done, uh, especially when we're talking about title fights. We're talking about giving a 10-8 round at the, in the fifth round of a fight where, you know, the, the early part of the fight was clearly going to Blahovich and then the later rounds um, and Kalaev starts to take over. You've got you to gotta just be down there doing damage as well as controlling your opponent. You can't just be skirting by. Um, and it was a weird fight. It was a weird decision. And then we had an announcement at the press conference where oh Dana gosh. just kind of obviously wasn't too thrilled about this one and just went and threw that one out because I was going to talk next about, well, what we, we're going to talk about it anyway. What are we going to do with Jan and, and, and Kalaev? What are we going to do with Anthony Smith, who on air has to realize that now he's got a main event taken away from him because Jamal Hill and Glover Teixeira are now going to be fighting for the 205-pound belt, I believe, in Brazil in January. So and that, They're the main event, I think. Yeah. And that's got to be right. I mean, I think that that's now the new main event with what with Moreno and uh, um, Figueredo and Figueredo as the co-main, which awesome. We get two two title fights on that card, but you got to feel for Anthony Smith <laughs> just gets side swiped by this one. Yeah, I'm really curious, like how 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 did the timing of this matchmaking go down? Like, was this fight made before or after the main event at UFC 282, or was this like? Oh my gosh! Yeah, draw like they're coming up with something on the fly. I mean, I'm sure Jamal Hill's the type of guy you could call him and be like, "Hey, you want to fight in a week?" And he'd probably say yes. And yeah. we know Glover wanted to fight in Brazil, but you know, I got to I got to extend my my feels to Anthony Smith because he he finds out while he's at the desk um, that he loses his main event spot against Jamal Hill. I believe they were going to fight in March, um, but he took it in stride. You know, Anthony's he he's he's great at what he he's, what what he does as a fighter and an analyst. But yeah, very very interesting. Uh, you know, post fight, uh, post fight events. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I um, I, and I don't know. What, what, do you just run it back with Ankalaev and, and, and Bohovic? Does does that happen? I mean, do we just now give Anthony Smith? Has he fought? He's he hasn't fought Jan, has he? Hmm. Hard to say. Anthony Smith's kind of fought everybody, so it's kind of hard. That's to keep track of I, well, I mean, I know he fought Ankalaev, and he hurt his. Yeah. That's when he broke broke that bone in his leg, but yeah. Richie, can you confirm has he has he fought I can, look right, I can look right now. I don't think that he has. That might be one guy in the division. He has not. Listen, oh. if you're gonna take away that fight from Anthony, okay, and you're gonna give yeah. Jamal Hill the shot at Glover in in, in Rio, how yeah. about we match up Bahovic and Anthony? And that's a great fight. And you find, I mean, Ankalaev still has a lot of guys in the division that I don't think he's fought yet, or he can say, well. I should be next in line for the title. There's there's yeah. a lot of confusion that's going to happen. And there's a lot of guys who are going to be pissed off and wanting some compensation for what's happened because, I mean, they didn't make it a draw. You know what I mean? No. Uncle Live went out there and fought his fight and thought he won the fight, and now he gets shafted. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of tough because I think I'd like to see Jan and Magomed to just run it back. Yeah, I kind of think I know how that fight will take place if they rematch. I feel like I feel like it now he knows, man. I think Magomed would find a way to, to really solidify Wrestle. Getting Wrestle. a win in that, but yeah, the, the path to victory is just so clear and apparent. Yeah. Um, but you want to take care of Anthony Smith, you know, not only because he's one of our own, not because he's part of our team on the broadcasting side of things, but because as a fighter, it's like you get that you get that fight pulled out from underneath you, like from nowhere. You, yeah, you want you you want you want something in return. Like it's like okay, if you're gonna take this away from me, you have to give me something back, and you got to sweeten the pot a little bit. You can't just give me somebody. You got to give me somebody with a good name. So uh yeah i feel for anthony Smith, so but... many people it's like yeah. who do you get you know who do you give him that interest him at this point 
being that high in in the rankings, it's uh, it's a tough one. I'm trying to look up the rankings, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, you, you got to feel for Anthony Smith, man. That's just tough, super tough. And you got to give a big shout out to John Anik. I mean, what a pro! Like as the news unfolds at the desk and Anthony gets kind of blindsided, John Anik just takes the reins. Does like, what he by does. the way, he's John Anik's the man, dude. That was way to way to button that one up, nice, John. Yeah, Reyes knocked out uh, a clear round tree. Richie's telling us is like the only guy who's pretty much not booked. Yuri out. Glover booked. Jan available, but it just happened. Magomed, Rockage. He's is he still dealing with injury stuff? Yeah, Rockage. I think he toasted his ACL in that Jan oh. fight. What about Krilov? Krilov's been uh, Krilov booked. booked. Yeah, Anthony, like literally, I, I'm looking online and I'm reading a headline on, on MMA Junkie and the headline is problem with losing out on Jamal Hill fight is that kind of leaves me with nobody. And I think yeah, that we're kind dude. of figuring it out right now that there really is nobody for Anthony Smith unless you wow. really want to fight way down the ladder. Um, maybe a guy maybe a guy that's not ranked. I don't see I don't see Anthony wanting to do that. I think he'd like to fight a guy within the rankings, which he deserves. But yeah, he's just kind of stuck in a pinch. Like, what do you do? Just stay ready and hope someone falls out or and you, you yeah, know, Anthony, Anthony likes that's to tough at this point. You got to, you know what I mean? Like we're talking, he's not some brand new, fresh inductee into the UFC. who's hungry to fight anybody. Anthony Smith is a veteran with a family. He's got desk job stuff going on. If he's, he wants to fight 100%, but he wants to know, and he wants it to be somebody that he's going to get up in the morning and want to go to the gym or leave his family to go to training camp. You know, the, the, this is the things that people have to think about when these guys are that far along in their career. You're not just going to be like, yeah, sure. Whoever I'm a fighter. It's not that yeah. easy. This is your career. You got to be a bit strategic at times. Yeah, and you know Anthony's a guy that likes to be active. If it was up to him, he'd fight five times a year. But he's yeah. got to have a notice, like you said. He's got family. He's got other obligations. Like he can't just. He's not. He's a short notice guy. You know, he's he's probably got a ton of war stories about fights he's taken on short notice and went out there and had success. But I think at this stage in his career, it's like you got to give me some advance. You know, yeah. I have to plan my life around a lot of things. So yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll get him a fight. I just hope it's sooner than later. Yeah, and obviously, we got to talk co-main event. Yeah, um, gosh, here Maddie we go. Maddie. This is where the spice. On, this is where the spice is going to come in. It's going to get this spicy. Is where some right spice is going to come in. And very, very controversial. This is where more of the controversy comes in. And yet again, here we are on on this podcast and every other podcast is going to be talking about the same thing as these judges. Mm. And it's not even that they get it wrong sometimes, right? It's more than that. There's no damn consistency to them even getting it wrong. I'm sure we're going to look at these scorecards too and just who gave who what rounds and how it played out. And it's like it doesn't add up, right? I mean, here we go here. Some give give the first two to, to Pimlet. Others give the first two to uh, – well, actually, they, none of these guys. That's, that's how wrong they are here. They still did it differently. But I, I just don't see how you give those first two rounds to Patty. I mean, I could have seen it, honest to God, being 30-27 for, for Jared in this fight. I, I I, think he won. I think there's something to be said about how Patty would land some shots at the end of rounds and he would have his best moments and the out round would end with the crowd going absolutely crazy for this guy when really the work had been done by Jared throughout the whole round and then something awesome happens. You don't win a round just in the last 20 seconds, but it seemed to have swayed them enough to... to Give it in the way of Patty. Now, listen, I did watch it again today because Jared is an extremely close friend of mine, and I don't want to come in here off of pure emotion from Saturday night. Obviously, I had some things to say on Twitter. I didn't think it was correct. I didn't attack Patty. It's not his fault. 
But I do think it was the wrong decision. I thought damage on the feet, significant strikes, control, pressure, and takedowns were all in favor of Derek Gordon. Even if I didn't know the kid and I was on this Patty train like everybody else, I, I, I would still think he won the fight. I think Patty's a special guy, but he lost that fight. Yeah, Paul. Uh the judging. I, I I wish I had a good theory as to why they're botching some of these scorecards. But for this fight particularly, like, Patty's a fan favorite. You know, the people from England, the Patty Pimblet, you know, the fanboys, fangirls, they all they all came in came in thick for UFC 282. Yeah. I wonder if, if, are the judges swayed by the crowd? That That's always been, like, my biggest theory in fights like this. Like, maybe it's when Patty has his moments, are they just exemplified because the crowd is so far like they're so behind him like oh i watch it when i watch it today you can tell it gets roshes it's like is it is it weird or out of line to say maybe i think judges need to watch the fights with like a headset on where they can't hear the crowd because you need to be solely focused on what's happening in the fight you need to keep track of the exchanges you need to you you can't let the outside noise persuade you and i really think that that in a fight like this i feel like the outside noise of patty's fans like kind of wanted the decision i mean it's good to have fans behind you. There's nothing bad. This isn't me taking a shot at him, but it's definitely one of those situations where you definitely didn't win that fight. And the only thing that I can make sense of it is, is that the, it was the fans. The fans got yeah. behind got behind Patty, and it persuaded the judges. I thought Jared won round one for sure. Like we yeah. talked about before the show, he ended on top, got some good ground and pound off. Round two, he's he was landing the cleaner shots. Patty kind of has this way of like waiting his way into range with his hands down, kind of drops his hands. Jared did a good job landing nice overhand punches. And Patty would just kind of have these little little flurries and moments, like at the end of the rounds. And, and it's just not enough to win a fight. You know, I, I just feel like Jared, Jared looked like he was in, in control for three the three round fight, three rounds of the fight. He just looked like he had the reins on the fight. And and Patty just had a few moments, but a few moments isn't enough to win a fight. Yeah, and especially that second round. That that's that's what I noticed today was Jarrett was in control of that round, landed some really good strikes, was moving forward. And then I'd say it was like the last 30 seconds, Patty landed a few really good exchanges. But, that, that you know what I mean? We've got to judge the whole round. You can't just – it's smart by Patty. I'll give him that. He knows when to kind of turn it on and when to have his moments. And neither guy really was able to establish too much damage in round three. I know that's a big round in question. And I know that's something Dana talked about. That's something Patty had mentioned when he's saying, look at Jarrett's face, look at mine. It's about damage. It's not just about control, which is 100% true. It is about damage. But when there's next to zero damage done, we do look at this other criteria in, in these fights. And I just, I, I think that was in favor of Jared. He was able to get takedowns in the fight, um, land cleaner shots, but, at the end of the day, I mean, what's going to happen? Nothing's you know, going to happen. Burt Watson used to say it best to us. Remember what Burt used to say? The judges are only there to break your heart. And it's so Break true. your heart, like, man. In a, in, a, in a situation like that, you know, a lot of us, you, me, and a lot of, of uh, media members, a lot of just the feedback on Twitter, a lot of people thought Jared won that fight. But still, at the end of the day, as a fighter, it's your job to try to pursue the finish as much as possible. So uh, there is yeah. no intervention from these people. You don't, you don't yeah. want these guys having control or having their, their decisions dictate the direction of your career. And when they yeah. get the choices wrong, you got to feel for a guy like Jared. This is the biggest fight of his life. Co-main event on a pay-per-view. And, and, and I don't, Dana gave kind of gave Jared a lot of flack at the press conference and the way that he fought the third round. But 
I didn't think it was that bad. I, you know, do you want to see a guy in a co-main event go out there and lay it on the line and have, you know, bring some excitement, especially when you're going against a guy like Patty Pimblett, you're on the back end of 10 straight finishes. Like, you know, the fans don't write the win bonus. Jared was doing what he felt he had to do to win that third round. And even the, even his corner said, Hey, you lost round one. We don't know if you won round one and two, but you need to go out and get this round. So yeah. it's good to know that it's not like his corner was like, Hey, you're up to no, no, yeah. Fight. Like they were, hey, we don't know how this is going. You got to give me this third round. Greg, uh, Greg Jones gave him a great speech. So, yep. Um, don't worry about it. First two rounds don't exist anymore. It's this round right now. Go, yeah. go win this round right now. Absolutely. That was great advice. And I didn't notice that on Saturday. Obviously, I'm losing my mind. I'm screaming. I'm having fun watching the fights that night. Today, when I rewatched it, I was like, damn, they, they, they weren't, they didn't blow any smoke. They knew it was a close fight. And, and again, Rewatching it, it, there were some moments that obviously, in the heat of the moment, you've got to rewatch things, which the judges again don't get to do. So I, I understand that it's not an easy job, and I'm not here to just absolutely murder these guys. But there's got to be some more accountability. I think that just having them speak for themselves, being allowed to kind of justify, like, okay, so and so, why did you score that at 10-8? Let, why shouldn't that judge be allowed to explain themselves if they think they're right? There should be like some type of like peer review system for judges because if you get a guy, you know, I think I haven't really dove into this, but I, a lot yeah, of we'll go back to medieval times. They're giving Doug Crosby a lot of flack. And it's like if you if you have a judge that has a tendency to botch some scorecards, like there should be a peer review system. Like you shouldn't be able to sit in here and essentially have these guys have such a big impact on fighters' careers. And if a guy is consistently missing the mark time in and time out. You gotta, there's got to be a peer review system to pull people like that out and put more educated people in. You know what's tough about judging, Paul? Mm. Is the fact you don't have enough fighters that are judges. It, that, that's what bugs me the most. And I know that it's tough to do that because, you know, fighters that have, may have a bias from people they've trained with, this yeah, and that. But it's like, there's nobody that understands the sport better. Like, tell me these – I, I want to see the, the martial arts accolades that these people have. I want to I know why are, what are your qualifications that warrant you to have that job? Because yeah. to me, I don't see any of those people that have any experience to where they should be really in the driver's seat for these guys' careers when it comes to judging. Like, it, it just makes no sense to me that these judges are not, they're not former fighters in any shape, way, or form. Yeah, or, or just have to be more educated on, the, you know, the, the, the X's and O's of the sport. But, you know... We could talk this all day. We could oh, talk yeah. this all day, and we'll we'll, we'll keep kicks. coming back to it. And Cap, I'm and Cap kicks and piss poor judge, and we could talk that all day, all day, exactly. Uh, so that being said, we did ask you fans to give us some questions, and you guys yeah. are on the same topics as me and Michael already. So let's get some of these fan questions going, Richie, because we're going to discuss a lot of this stuff. Um, obviously, this person responding to Eric here, and will the media be able to get the judges in post fight interviews so they can explain their decision? Kind of what we were just talking about. Um, and then obviously you see there, Eric Nixick, who's one of the best coaches around, uh, is asking for these judges to be available to the media after the fights, allow them to explain their decision, just like we were talking about. And that's why it was kind of perfect segue into these fan questions. Yeah, I think so. And listen, we all get criticized. Fighters get criticized. We speak to the media. Dana even gets criticized constantly. He goes out there. He has to speak to the media. Um, managers end up speaking to me. All these guys have to kind of explain their decision-making around this process. Why can we not? Referees should be able to do all these guys should have to explain 
or be, I shouldn't even say have to explain, be able to explain their side and why they thought such things. And maybe admit sometimes, what if they were wrong? Well, what are we going to do? Can we do anything about that? There's really nothing you could do. Even if they admit fault, you can't go back and, and yeah, change who wins or loses the fight. They're not going to say, oh, well, I take it back. It should have went to the other guy. Hey, you got to avoid that check. You know, Jared needs his win bonus. Like, I got yeah. that. Like, that would never work. But I, I would like that. I would like to see an explanation. If it doesn't make sense to us, make it make sense. Explain why you judged it that way. Like, that's – it's not just about accountability. It's just if, if that is – we want to know – your perception of what you saw make it make yeah. sense to us so i'd be all about them having to even just go on social media just yeah. go out and say something explain why you judged it the way you did it. explain what you saw that that we did it you know but it's one of those situations paul where so many people can't be wrong you know if there's if there's if the if the twitter's not always right but when it comes to these fights it, it more often than not if everybody's clamoring that this guy got robbed, it usually holds true. Yeah, it usually means he is. Um, yeah. I think we have some more on this topic, so let's let's see. Uh, yeah, what is our opinion on open scoring? So obviously, mm. for anybody that maybe doesn't understand what open scoring is, most of the diehard fans will obviously know. But between rounds, it will become knowledge of who won the rounds. So if if I'm in a fight and I go out and I, I – absolutely have this close razor thin round one we will be informed of who the judges gave that round to so going into round two you know you lost or won the first round after the second round you know you won or lost you know you either need to finish or you need to go out there and, and get a 10-8 to even get a draw it dude it's tough you know if you that opens up such huge can of worms like yeah i'm not against it i'm not for it but you know like okay th then that, that changes the landscape not only for for mixed martial arts, changes it for boxing, for kickboxing. Like it's just you're talking about something that would completely change the landscape of combat sports. Um, I don't know how I feel about the open scoring thing. Situations like the the Patty and Gordon fight. Okay, yeah, it would be nice to know headed into that third round if the judges, you know, how they have it scored. But then you'd have other situations where guys might cruise, might not do as much. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know how I feel about it. It's hard. It's, that's a situational thing for me. I think. It depends on what fight I'm applying it to really can sway how I feel about open scoring. Yeah. I'm the same way. I go back and forth. Cause when I first hear it, I'm always like, Oh yeah, that's so awesome. And then I think the same thing where some, it could, it could go all different ways. Right. Um, you could have guys just lose any desire to fight. You could have guys have their whole soul taken front and, you know, not go out there and fight, but I don't know. That's it's tough. It really is. It's, it's a, it's a hard thing. For me to be sold on I, yeah i, I, I think that, i think it needs to be fixed internally before we worry I, about yeah, open I would scoring. Rather have judging just be fixed as a whole because even if we had open scoring that's not going to change the fact that the, the judge They're is still wrong scorecard yeah. and jared's fight like it doesn't that doesn't change the problem it yeah. just it just it, i don't know i just don't really see a ton of benefit to it it would just create too much change too much turmoil the the, the change has to be internal like you said you got to fix yeah. the judges not whether or not you can see the scorecards during a fight. I'd rather pay attention to my coaches anyways. I'd rather just yeah. be like locked in. Like in my, the way I've always gone about my fights with my coaches, Paul is I don't like, I don't like a very, um, how should I say this? I don't really like optimistic cornering. I'd rather have them say, Hey, you got to fight. Like you're down. Like you got to fight. Yeah. Like we don't know how the first two rounds went. You got to go in that third round. Like you're down to love. Like you got to go yeah. out there and fight. Like I'm, I like to try to take the judges out of the equation as much as possible. So I don't. Have yeah, to of course. Well, but the yeah, better you tough. get, 
the more Tough decisions stuff. we end up seeing. <laughs> All right, Richie, what do we got? What do you got? Nothing. He's got nothing for us. Talk about how Patty's on his way to somehow being the UFC's biggest villain. Oh, I'm yeah, not even saying really it. I'm not saying it for some reason. UFC's biggest villain. He's just a very – when you get these fighters that, that start to achieve superstardom and, and you know, they, they, they're very brash. Patty's a very brash guy. He, he's very outspoken on certain things, and people agree with it, and some people don't. I don't I don't really know if I feel like he's on the trajectory to being a villain, like how Hamza – like after Hamza's – UFC 279 fight week, like he solidified himself as the bad guy, you know, but for Patty, I don't really feel like he's done anything to kind of, I don't know, have that label attached to him. Yeah. I don't know about it being a mega villain. I can see where this question is coming from because obviously Patty was kind of in the hot seat the whole week, right? He was very vocal, had his podcast, had Dana on his podcast. Things were said. Um, we don't even need to get much into that. Everybody knows what was said and what went on yeah. right there. And, and then, you know, just anytime you're a brash character and a confident guy like Patty is, you're going to have guys similar to Connor that are either going to love you or, or they're going to hate you, right? You're going to be, you're going to deal with all aspects of social media, people loving you, people hating you, fan wagging people, people wearing wigs, people dying and paying just to see you lose. So, uh, um, I see that yeah, smug little smirk right there, right there. I see your smug little smirk because you oh, brought man. you brought him up. You brought I him got in. him in. I got him. <laughs> you brought him in. But <laughs> well, we haven't gotten Charles Oliveira in yet. Oh wait, there oh, we did. There it is. There Where's it is. the bell? Where's the bell? We got to ring man, the bell. We got him in. Today. Man, look at that. Got our boys. I got a there. new shirt on today. You know, I got that new shirt confidence right now, guys. I got the chest. Oh, wow. I got the chest hanging oh. out a little bit. I got. I'm married now. You know, wow. I'm living the dream. You're living the dream, dude. You're looking good. I got pens that got faces on them. Who's that guy? Where's Joey the skeleton? You put him away yet? (laughs) He did finally get put away. We cleaned up the basement. You know, the reason I bought this house was because of this big, huge finished basement. I got the big TV down here. And it ended up just becoming a freaking storage unit of all my crap for so long. So finally this weekend, leading up to Jared's fight, I was like, I want to clean it. I want to hang out down here. There you go. So Joey had to go back on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Joey. Maybe next time. We'll see you at the next Halloween next edition. Halloween All right, next question. Sorry, I, I may not be able to see them. There it is. I can see it. Should Till consider welterweight again or try to get in better shape at middleweight? Um, I don't think he's going to get much in better shape. I think he came very prepared for that fight. He was so confident. He looked great. He, he looked like he was really fit for this one. It seems like he really put in the work by everything that he had said. I think it might be an issue with weight class. I think he's realizing that being that gorilla was something that he had at welterweight. And I just don't know if he has it at middleweight. I don't know if he's big enough to hang with these guys that are the elite. But I don't know if he's small enough to go back down to 170 pounds because he's crossing, he's crossing that age threshold. The same, the same bridge I had to cross. I was 29, 30 years old. I had to make a change, you know, and, and for till, you know, he's 29 now. And he's got he's got a tremendous amount of skill and talent. He works hard, but I feel like he's kind of like stuck where Kevin Lee was. You know, my my buddy Kevin Lee. You know, love talking about him, but he's a guy that was <laughs> so big for one fifty five, but one hundred seventy pounds. It just it, it didn't translate well for him. He, yeah, success he did at the lower weight class, and for Till he has a ton of talent, but I do feel like him being a bigger guy really played into the way he fights his fights. So, but I mean, we got to remember this is a guy that you know 
came up, you know, he lost by a hair to Robert Whitaker. I mean, who's one of the best middleweights we've ever seen. So uh, I think it's the training. I don't think, I think Darren spending his time training in Thailand, and this is like, look, I'm sure the training's great out there. I know what gyms he was at, the coaches there are awesome, but Thailand is a huge emphasis on Muay Thai. And obviously yeah. it wasn't Jared's, or it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Darren's standup that was the issue. It was his wrestling. Like he just got mauled in the grappling. Like how are you, I know he trains hard, but how much are you really working on the grappling? How much are you really working on the wrestling? Like where, how much emphasis is being put on that? Because that was what was, I mean, that was what was really, that's what Drickus Duplissy took over the most was the, was the grappling department over Darren. So I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for Till. He's got the talent. He's got the work ethic, but I don't know if it's the weight class or the training, but there's, there's something that needs to be figured out. Yeah, I, I agree. I could be one of those guys that's just stuck in between those weight classes. Like you talked about, we, we have seen that time and time again, where, you're just not quite big enough for that big jump up to, to 85, but you know, you're murdering yourself to make 170 pounds. But yeah, where yeah, was Tom? Did you ever see that video of when, when Darren was cutting weight for Wonder Boy and he missed? Did you ever see the video of what he was actually going through to try to make 170 pounds? It was yeah. disturbing. It was disturbing. But I mean, you I know, but a lot of that, a lot of that, I, I question. I question a lot of the discipline that leads up to those types of situations. When I see that in the UFC, a lot of guys talk about these horrific weight cuts and I'm not, I don't know this. So uh, this is speculation, but I know a lot of guys that have these horrific weight cuts. Yeah. Because you started dieting two weeks before your weight cut or you don't live a discipline. It's like, you might have to suffer for eight, nine weeks, but as long as you're suffering for that amount of time, you're not going to have to absolutely murder yourself necessarily the day before. But in, in some cases, like for you, it, for example, it really was that you were just getting way too big for for the weight class. Yeah, and Till's a big guy. I mean, he's definitely he is big middleweight. Middleweight. He's still he's still a big guy for middleweight. It's just the way he the, his style of fighting. He really, I think, it does require him to be the more physical fighter. But you know, you got to give some shine to Drickus Duplissy. I mean, at this point, I think the kid's showing he could be a real contender at 185 pounds. He's starting to look. Uh, in the, his previous fights, he looked a little kind of herky, jerky, kind of awkward. Yeah, smoothed it out a bit. In these fights, and he looked so comfortable. He looked composed. The power was on display. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete. He's young. Uh, this is a guy. I think you got to throw him in there with someone with the number next to their name because he's this guy could be a serious problem at 185 pounds to do what he did to Darren Till. I yeah, mean, like I said, dude, Robert Whitaker only beat him by inches. You know, he, yeah. that was a close fight. Look what Drickus just did. And, and this is after Till saying he had the best camp he's had in a while. He's healthy. He was in great shape. I mean, I remember seeing Till before he fought Brunson. And I, I he was like, how much did you train? You just look soft. You know, and yeah. there, he had the knee injury go, going through the fight camp that we didn't know about. But, man, Drickus Duplissy took out a, an ultra-tough, in-shape Darren Till. Guy needs to fight someone ranked next for sure. Yes, I agree. And give that man a, a legitimate fight. He's... A young stud in the division. And speaking of young studs in the division, I think we have a question about our boy uh, Ilya Tapori who took on Ooh. Bryce Mitchell and seemingly going. <laughs> okay, but let's let's talk about this as well. Do you think that Bryce Mitchell seemingly going full tinfoil hat had an <laughs> effect on his focus training oh, and fighting? Uh, no, I think it's the second part. Ilya Taporia is just that good. This guy was a stud coming into the UFC. We were watching him. I remember watching the tape on this kid. And just even after his interview on Fight Island, I'm like, this guy has got it. And he's smooth. He's got style. He's got swag. And he can fight. 
it doesn't matter where you want to fight this kid. You're in a lot of shit. Excuse my French. If you want to stand with him, he can knock you out cold, knock you out to the body. He can wrestle. He's got fantastic submission skills. He's confident. He's young. I think he's a future champ. Yeah, dude, he he definitely he he has that it factor. Like when you talk about presence, I was there on Fight Island with you during the fighter meetings. Yeah, him walking in, the way he talks, the way he handles himself, and when he watched his fights leading up to his UFC career, this is a kid that really shined as a grappler. Now you see that Jai Herbert fight. Oh, and, mm. and that was at 155 pounds, and Jai Herbert's a big guy for the weight class. He put him down to the body, to the head, and for Bryce, this was a good test for Ilya Taporia because he's you know. He, he's a bigger guy for, for 145 pounds. So I thought Bryce Mitchell would be the guy that could kind of test, like, how do you handle the weight cut against the, the tougher opposition? You know, I yeah. feel like Bryce could have really challenged him. And boy, Bri- <sighs> with all due respect, I love Thug Nasty personally on a personal level. He's a great kid. You know, he says some quirky stuff. I'm not a flat earther myself. So <laughs> I, prefer to wear, I prefer to wear a beanie instead of a tinfoil hat. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, he just looked so out of place. Like he just, they looked, it looked like a mismatch. It just looked like, yeah. it looked like one guy was way, way like skill wise. They were on completely different play, like playing fields. And for, and I know Bryce is good, but that just means Ilya Deport is that good. Like that was, that was insane. And to beat him in his own game, like you, you beat Bryce Mitchell at his own game. It, that that's, that's the extra feather in the cap. You pick him apart on the feet and then you take him out. And it, 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 you go into his wheelhouse and beat him there. That's that's impressive. Yeah, he's he's a stud. I'm excited to see what happens next for him. He needs to start getting some. He some needs to fight Patty Pimblet. That's what he needs to do. Let's. <laughs> how do you think that would go, Paul? Just be honest. I, I, I badly first round badly. Uh, no offense. I, I just think that you know I know they've been talking trash and having some beef, but I think deep down inside, no offense whatsoever, but I think Patty knows damn well he d- does not want that matchup. He needs, no. you know, get some get some other fights, keep going the way you're going, but that that is not a fight that uh, that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Nope. And why risk it? You, you've got so much attention. Why go and have a guy come up into your weight class who's really should be staying down at 145? It's just bad news written all over it from everybody. I could agree with you more. I think that that's, that would be one-way traffic. Or yeah, for sure. Yeah, it could be could be ugly and bloody. But let's talk about some of the other special athletes that that uh, showcased on this card. And I mean, thing one we have to talk about, especially since he's a contender series vet. He's the youngest kid on the roster. Uh, Raul uh, Rosas Jr. went out there and lived up to all the smack talk. Him and and Jay Perrin were going back and forth, and he went out there and showed that he legit has skills this kid can hang i mean that wasn't a super easy debut to go out there with somebody who's got the experience like jay and to put on a, a master class like that this kid's the truth michael he's the truth he's young slow play this young man keep giving him fights let him stay busy he's young he talked about it on the way the way in show he doesn't cut a ton of weight let him stay busy let him stay focused and let him slowly climb into his maturity i think that this is going to be the start when we talk about Raul Rosas, I, I was I was talking to my friends about this this weekend. How as fighters, Paul, like you had a lot of success, you know, in your mid to late thirties. I'm I'm starting to tread that water. I just turned thirty five, and we see that a lot of guys have success at an older age in MMA. But I think that now that we're going to see fighters start because they start training MMA at five years old now. Like it's yeah. it used to be like I grew up as a wrestler. I grew up doing karate, Muay Thai, and then you start to transition towards mixed martial arts. Like 
these kids are starting to train at such a young age. I think that there will come a time when fighters that are our age having success in the sport are going to be, it's going to be a little more few and far between. I feel like I think raw Rosas era is upon us. I think we're going to start seeing a lot, a lot younger talent coming into the UFC. It's going to be interesting times for sure. But I mean, what a, what a great debut, great composure. I love the press conference. I don't even have a driver's license and I'm going to buy my mom a new minivan. I'm like, how do you not love that? I mean, that's just, that's just hilarious. It's like, these, he probably still has a valid ASB card, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see these young bucks. He's still doing laser tag stuff. on the weekends. You're saying. Yeah, exactly. And you know, for, for raw, it's funny. It's like, you know, this this could have went really bad like raw rosas getting signed could have been it was this was either going to be really good or really bad and there's no in between it was either he's going to win however he does win and it's going to be great but if he loses especially or he gets knocked out or something bad happens to him then the raw rosas experiment would have been totally a total failure but i mean the kid's tough i've been in the training room with him he works hard um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see the future for Raul Rosas. He's like the he's like the Mexican Habib Nurmagomedov. I love it. Yeah, kids kids got it. Um, any yeah. other uh, fighters we want to just shout out real quick? Oh, yeah, Billy Q. You know, Billy Q, Billy man. Q? What a dude! That was a great fight, and and for him, you know, Alex Hernandez is a guy. It's he's Alex heard, Hernandez. The guy, the guy made his UFC debut against Benil Darius, who's like on the brink of fighting for the title at 155 pounds. He starched him so. Alex Hernandez really jumped the line and really started to make a name for himself early and for Billy Q to spoil the featherweight, you know, his drop down to featherweight. That was awesome, dude. I love, I've always been a Billy Q fan. I love watching his, his style of fighting. Uh, he just finds a way to find the quit in his opponents. And he did yeah. all of that. And then some against Alex Hernandez. I mean, he was absolutely battered. That was, that was impressive. It was very impressive. And that's exactly the kind of Billy Q fight that, uh, fans have come to expect where he's got to overcome some adversity and then he shines through and shows that grit. I mean, we had just talked about it, that that's his specialty is kind of breaking guys. And he did that beautifully on Saturday night. Uh, shout out to Chris Curtis too, who, you know, was in a back and forth battle with Joaquin Buckley. Looked like Buckley was starting to really find his footing and justice that happens. He counters that kick and just puts him away. And um, Chris Curtis just shows those hands and why he's one of the most dangerous strikers, I believe in that division. Uh, and now we're going to give a little um, rapid fire, similar to what the weigh-in show did. Wait, uh, okay. Shout out to the weigh-in show. A little Christmas uh, debate here, Michael. Okay. So let's, let's go. see what Richie's got in store for us. Stockings above the fireplace or end of the bed. Listen, I grew up in a row home in South Philadelphia. I didn't have a fireplace. We didn't have beds. So we hung them along the railings that went up. Along the side of the railing. Obviously, I did have beds. I'm totally joking around. But yeah, we hung them. We hung them like by where the staircase goes up. We put okay. like, you know, if you were the tallest kid in the house, you got the taller one. You know, went down. I, what's a row home? <laughs> where you're I'm, stacked together. There's no, there's no oh, separation okay. between all, all right. the houses. Okay. Makes sense. I don't yeah, know if that you would have no clue. You would have no clue. Uh, we grew up so differently. <laughs> we did. I'm looking at my stockings right now. And they are above my makeshift fireplace that I bought from Costco. You know, like it's like oh, the nice. TV stand with the electric fireplace. So, yeah, yes. I, yeah, I like them down there. You know, we're I've, talking I've, about getting one of them for the basement. So maybe I will switch it this year too. I got a tiny little like tree it. over here too. I'm very fast. You know, dogs love it. You know, you turn the little fireplace on and they sit know, right by it. Bed. He just lays by the fire, you know, all majestic. Cash cool. might try to pee on it though. So I got to get it. All right, next one. 
He's diehard a Ooh. Christmas movie. Mm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It's, for it's sure. an it's action movie. I, my wife's first time was watching it like I think last Christmas or the Christmas before, and she's like one of her favorite movies now. And Michael, everyone said one no liner. on the Wayne Show. What? Everyone on the Wayne Show apparently had said no to this. Isn't it a Christmas party? Doesn't the whole thing take place at a Christmas party? It does. It's the it man's. Does. It's a. It's a man's man's best Christmas movie possible. I mean, you got to walk through some Christmas. broken glass at Christmas, Christmas every now. Movie and that I'll watch in July. You know, I'll watch Die Hard any time of the year, but I always yeah. watch it at Christmas time. And yeah. honestly, that's going to become our Christmas Eve tradition here in this house now. Yeah, there you go. Next. Star or Angel atop the Christmas tree. This is a good one for me in this house. See what I have right it now. is an angel that goes atop the Christmas tree. I believe Christine, we got an angel or a star. Angel. We got an angel. It's I got to ask. Hey, Kels, do we have a star or an angel <laughs> on top of our Christmas tree? We have a reindeer. Plot twist. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Michael throws a wrench in there. He's got a reindeer. Yeah, we got the reindeer on top, dude. You you would you live in the woods? Uh, <laughs> what is required food on wait? What is a required food on Christmas Eve? Okay, um, Christmas like Christmas Eve or Christmas or both. For the me, the parenthesis thing is me Christmas off. Eve, and it's got to be the family's classic potato salad. It's a recipe that you know my nana would make. Now my uncle Mike is famous for making it every year. Brings over really good potato salad. So we always have potato salad. And we probably have it on Christmas Day, too. We used to go to his house the day after. But my mom's my mom's where we go for Christmas Eve. For years and years, we have a huge family party. And there is always potato salad. We have a couple things in our family. Um, my sister, Maggie, we, we started a tradition like 10 years ago where we always have like king crab legs. Whether mm. since our family's kind of split up, like sometimes mm. we're together on Christmas, sometimes Christmas Eve. But yeah, we'll do so bougie. Like king crab legs and steaks. And then uh, my sister, Amy, she she same thing. My, my grandma had this uh, sausage fondue recipe that was like down on Christmas all the time. So it's like a, a sausage fondue casserole she always makes. Um, and they're both delicious. And I like it when Amy's in town because I can have crab legs one day and the next day I'm having sausage fondue. Jeez. And then a month later I'm fighting it. To no a wonder lot. you're a welterweight. <laughs> All right. What is the first adult beverage to consume? Ooh. On Christmas, you're saying? I Bailey's and coffee. Weekend. I don't really want to even think about adult beverages right now. <laughs> Bailey's and my coffee on Christmas morning, most likely. Because uh, Christmas Eve, the party was at my mom's. Um, and then, you know, get Ashling up and this year, obviously Ruby will open the presents and, uh, we'll probably make a nice cup of coffee and put a little, um, little Bailey's first thing. I like a little Bailey's in my coffee. Yeah. That's probably, usually I like go skiing or snowboarding on Christmas Eve or Christmas day in the morning before I go to the festivities. And I I usually do a Bailey's with Bailey's with coffee. You know, I like, I like my ratio to not be coffee with Bailey's. I like Bailey's with coffee. Yeah. You put a little espresso <laughs> in there with your cup of Bailey's. Yeah. Last one or, or best Christmas song. Oh, you already know the answer to this. I'm cutting you off right now. Mariah Carey. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Man. Elliot. Shout out to Elliot. The head of the security with the UFC loves that song. If there's a backstory with it, but everybody knows in the UFC, I love all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. I, 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 that's the first thing that came to my head as you were jumping in to put that out there. So, have you seen Elliot's Christmas sweatshirt I bought him? No, 
Oh my gosh. So I bought him last year as a gift. I think me and Deidre, we chipped in on it. I got him a screen printed crew neck sweatshirt that just has the cover of all I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> it says it underneath there. And I gave it to him. And he's like, I hate you. And then like his wife will send me videos on Instagram of like him wearing it on Christmas day. I'm like, you love it. You, you're wearing it you behind the You know you love here. it. Oh, like, come on. You know it. <laughs> is that it? We got more. Would you rather give a gift card, money, or an actual gift? Okay. I'll take this one first. So I I am not I am not a great gift giver, but this year, I gotta be honest. Christine can tell you she's upstairs right now. We just got back from the mall earlier today. All right. I've been I've been I've been getting out there and getting gifts for people, but I also got a bunch of cash out to buy a whole bunch of gift cards because I know somebody's gonna come in on Christmas or Christmas even hand us a gift or a gift for Ashling or a gift for Ruby that I didn't, I didn't get them a gift, man. I, I just get a bunch of gift cards, like hundred bucks, put them in cards and here you go. Merry Christmas. I forgot to get you something. Here's a hundred bucks. Jeez. Here you go. Uncle Polly just handing out C notes, dude. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry you know, Christmas. It, it depends for me, honestly, like I like getting gifts because a lot of times I'll get gifts that are things like I necessarily wouldn't buy myself, but I really like them. Like my friend Ryan bought me a pair of shoes. I never would have bought myself, but since he got them for me, I was like, wow, I love these. But yeah, you know, I think just it's good to get gift cards so you can get what you want, especially if you're a kid and you're kind of split up your money to, I don't know, get something big. But as an adult, I don't really care about gifts anymore. You know, it's not like a big point of emphasis for me. I kind of like spoil myself. So, but yeah, I I, I like your approach. I'm going to do the same thing. Just have cards. Don't even put them to anybody. Just keep them on deck. And if no, you can even leave them. For years, just just have a box of Christmas cards with hundred bucks in them. Just keep them on deck. Yeah, in, in, in a dire in a dire emergency. Dire Started situation. doing that last year. Sa- saved me because there was a few people that gave. You know, I, I and now I'll be showing up to this party with, you know, a four or five month year old bait. Well, she'll be she'll be four months by the time. Right, a little over four months when Christmas comes. But you know, Paul, are people, you working? Are you working this weekend? Yes. I have, I have a, actually have a gift for you that I have been holding on to. Oh yeah! I forgot to give it to you. I tried to mail it to you, and it got mailed to my house. So oh. I'm making a point to bring the gift to this weekend's show, so I can finally give it to you. Are you working? I am working. All right, yeah. Bring, bring it, bring it. Well, God, maybe uh, you, me, and Richie, a little sushi meeting, a little business. Yeah, meeting. we are, we are, we're, we're scheduling, we're scheduling a little sushi. We're That's scheduling it. sushi. Uh, Richie, you know Michael is slacking, as we know. Um, but oh, I, I, I from I my fans on Roundup, we talk sandwiches. We talk sandwiches all the time. We talk our love of breakfast sandwiches. So is this what we're doing, right, Richie? Run it. I made Ooh. a sandwich for you guys. And this is just classic. That's a little coconut oil spray. Okay. It's just a little bit. I got two pans going here. That's Taylor pork roll. Okay. If you're from the East Coast, forgive my toaster oven. It looks disgusting. But this is a pork roll. Egg and Cooper Sharp cheese with runny yolk smashed over an everything bagel. There it is, cut in half. One one egg, sunny side up. Smash the yolk over the two slices. Delicious pork roll ham, or uh, pork roll, excuse me. Some people call it Taylor ham. I don't. Everything wow. bagel, fresh from from the Wegmans. Um, wow. I didn't pick up any crudite while I was there, but from from the Wegmans. And um, yeah, it was a delicious sandwich. I got to admit, that looked delightful. And uh, I'm hungry myself. Next, I, next I know last show I said I would make a sandwich. Okay. 
but given the circumstances, you make a lot of promises, Michael. This weekend, I need to the grocery store, which I'm going to go grocery shopping today. So you know what? I'll make a sandwich. We'll be expecting a, a video on on It'll Twitter. Be we'll be expecting. We'll be expecting. delightful. All right, guys. Listen, that's it for uh, roundup this year. Yeah, Tune two in, years we, in a row, dude. Look at us go. Two years. We're off and running, baby. We ain't slowing down anytime soon. We're official. Now, I don't think people know this. Like we started as a YouTube show, but now you can find us on any of the podcast platforms. But we prefer to get our views here, so people. Yes. Can't watch it. You can definitely listen to so it. You guys can write all your mean and nasty comments and all your good comments and all your mediocre comments. We see them. We love them. Keep them coming. Yeah. Hashtag UFC Roundup. Keep the questions Absolutely. coming. Make sure you tune in this weekend. Cannoneer, Strickland going at it. Main event at the Apex. Me and Michael will both be there working. If we don't see you guys, happy new year. Happy holidays. Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever you want to do, whatever you celebrate, be safe. Have fun. And um, let's keep kicking ass next year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for the support. We love you here at UFC Roundup.